trusting yourself and trusting, I guess, our, our inner cycles. Um, and that is something I was, you know, I think none of us were really raised with, right? It's always like, you, you don't trust your body. You don't trust how hungry you are, or what you feel like eating, or when you feel like resting, when you don't, right? It's this real um, relearning of how my body and my brain works and that that will work out okay. Welcome to the Not Just a Mom Show, where we have open and honest conversations about the vulnerabilities and the victories within entrepreneurship and new motherhood. If we haven't met yet, I'm Nicole Pazvir and I'm going to be your host. Here on the show, we don't subscribe to perfection. In fact, being present is the new perfect and showing up messy is the new norm. We are worthy just as we are, as all that we are, not just the label we put on ourselves. We are more than just a mom, and I'm so glad you're here. This week, I'm joined by Jerry Tate. Jerry is a fellow mom and fellow Canadian, and it's really cool because we have really similar stories in the sense of, I guess, like our business trajectory and the direction we started going and then pivoted into and just kind of our mindset and viewpoints of um, how to run a sustainable business and offer creation and weaving in like the menstrual cycle and nervous system regulation. So this conversation was super cool because it was just constantly like back and forth of um, Jerry sharing things that literally could have been words taken right out of my mouth. Um, if you are interested in following Jerry, she can be found at Jerry Birth Coach on Instagram. Another similarity between Jerry and I is, and she wrote this in her bio when she sent it to me, is Jerry loves birth but really cares about the people doing it. And I can't relate to that more. I think about that often, how I think a lot of people get into birth work and doulaing because they obviously love birth, but um, I think they have like a special place in their heart for mothers and babies and just that season of um, a family's life. And for me, I've always felt it a bit deeper than that. I've felt it in the sense of the mother's personal development and um, physical, emotional, and spiritual health and just viewing birth and pregnancy and the whole prenatal and postnatal period as this opportunity for massive, massive self-discovery and just starting to practice and integrate strategies for self-compassion and deepening your self-worth. And it was just really cool because this whole conversation with Jerry, we were able to weave back and forth between preparing for the prenatal and postpartum period, but also how to create like a successful and sustainable business. And then also how to show up as an authentic mother who is really in tune with her intuition and her values and um, regulating her nervous system, all the things. And so it was just really cool. Um, again, Jerry's goal is to provide the education strategy and mindset support you need to birth parent and live like the badass you are. And this conversation really does, um, just surround all of that. So I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Hey, Jerry, it's so nice to have you on the podcast this morning. This is the first time you and I have actually like had an interaction outside of Instagram, outside of like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's really nice, but also feels like very simple, very easy and um, normal. So that's funny that way. Somehow like Siri just started talking to me. Did you hear any of that? This is like how we roll. That's hilarious. So like I was talking, but I think my lap, I must've pressed the button that like tells Siri to start listening. So I was just having a conversation with Siri and she was not responding back. Anyways, let's start that over again. Always tries to insert herself in everything. (laughs) Seriously, I don't even know what I did. That's hilarious. I'm like, why isn't Jerry responding? Am I on mute? What's going on? Anyways, hey, Jerry, um, let's try this again. It's so nice to have you on the podcast this morning. I was just saying to Siri that this is the first time you and I have actually had a chance to like speak like face to face um, as opposed to just DMing on Instagram. So this is really cool. I'm really excited to just get into your story and kind of what has gotten you to where you are today. So if you want to give a quick introduction of who you are, we can start there and then we'll just get into it. Cool. Yeah. So my name is Jerry um, and thanks for having me, Nicole. This is really nice. And even though it is the first time we're chatting, it feels very normal. So I appreciate that. Um, Agreed. (laughs) I'm a mom of two boys. They're almost eight and five and a half, which is bananas. Um, I live in Ontario and um, I work as a childbirth educator and coach, which is kind of a newer form of birth work for me. I spent about three years as a birth and postpartum doula um, and then decided to transition into something where I felt like I could make a bit more of an impact prenatally um, without attending births. Um, So that's been pretty cool so far. And I've kind of, you know, traversed through different careers in order to get here. But looking back, they kind of have breadcrumbs that lead this way. So, um, yeah, I guess I consider myself a bit of a multi-passionate person in that way. Hearing you say that, like, you you just wanted to get into, I, I actually forget how you ordered it, but basically having more influence like prenatally and having people actually prepare per, for birth. Did that come from some, for lack of a better word, negative experiences in like the birth space and kind of just getting sick and tired and frustrated of seeing it. So wanting to have an impact and like, Hey, how can we actually stop this from happening? Or where did that pivot kind of come from? Yeah, that's exactly where it came from. From, I think when I started working as a doula, I thought this is so cool to be with people during that actual event, right? That transformational time of giving birth. And and it was, and like, I loved the impact that I could have. And I loved the relationships that I built with my clients. However, doing it for a few years, I realized a trend where people were almost like relying on the advocacy of me as their doula in the moment and not necessarily doing that inner work and preparing themselves. And like, don't get me wrong, I have and will continue to stand up for clients in the moment. Um, However, it's so much more impactful for the birthing person if they get there themselves, you know? And I had a lot of people that were like, I am worried that I won't be able to advocate for myself. I don't think my partner will be able to, so I really want someone there. And like, I get it, especially if there's like language barriers or culture, you know, differences, like totally. Um, But a lot of the cases, it was just kind of like, this isn't my job. This is someone else's job. And I think that um, they went into their births not being as prepared as they could 
um, mentally and emotionally. And I saw the impacts of that. And I witnessed the trauma that occurred from that. And it took a while to be like, how much of this is my responsibility? Like, I, you know, obviously I have a responsibility to my client to give them all the information they need and the support that they, that they need and that is useful to them. But at the same time, it's their bodies, it's their births. Um, and so I thought, how can I make more of a difference and how can I change my messaging so that people like think beyond the comfort measures and the positions and more into like, who am I? What does this mean to me? What do I really care about? Mm-hmm. And how can mm-hmm. I communicate that in the moment? I love that one. Like you said, it's like the inner work and you can't do that for someone. You can no. be there for them and you can kind of direct some of that robust conversation that needs to happen for them to kind of sort out the answers within themselves. And um, I think it's really cool just to hear your own self-awareness through that entire process of deciding to kind of step down from um like in-person birth I guess I don't I guess that's the distinction right you're no longer in person supporting the birth instead it's all prenatal support um so it's really cool just hearing your self-awareness as you say some of that out loud and I just know that so many doulas can get caught up in this like saviorship mentality where they do just want to save the day and they almost end up putting themselves on a pedestal of like, well, you should have a doula because I'm going to be your bodyguard and I'm going to make sure, not make sure, but I'm, I'm going to be a layer in between kind of the, the birthing person and the medical system so that bad things hopefully don't happen to you. And it's like, if we are coming at birth with that mentality, that's not supportive to that family whatsoever. And it doesn't set them up for success postpartum for parenthood for any of that. And so I think it's really cool hearing that you were able to, I guess, like distinct, like just dis, dis, see some distinction there and instead step down and be like, no, I think I can actually make a more positive impact if we're, if we're having these conversations beforehand. So that's really cool. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. where all of this fits in, in your own motherhood journey. You said you've been doing kind of the more childbirth education coaching for about three-ish years. How long were you doula-ing before that? So I was doula-ing for about three years. And then this okay. switch to more of education and coaching support has just been this year. So like oh, okay, okay, months. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So you are like really um, in so the I, midst of changing your brand and getting more clear on your messaging. And you're in the thick of that right now. That's really cool. Yes. Thick definitely the messy I don't even know if it's the messy middle the messy beginning maybe mm, I don't know and it's yeah. weird because I feel, I feel you know I've been in I've been in birth work for years but this feels very new and I think part of it is because I'm trying to target different people or maybe a more specific set of people because there's definitely mm-hmm. a resistance out there to preparing for birth and thinking yeah, about there it totally is a lot of people don't want to right um and that those aren't my people then, right? Yeah. Um, so I really want to be really clear about working with those people that value that inner work. Two things were coming up as you were sharing that for me. One, just thinking how this isn't really like a cut and paste, like business template that you can just like follow versus I, I kind of feel like 
just traditional doula in traditional supporting birth kind of is because there's so many successful doulas out there. There's so many yeah. doula programs that are like teaching, okay, this is what you do. This is how you get clients. So many people know what a doula is and what to expect. And it's, it's becoming yeah. more and more normal. So in terms of creating the business, that's also becoming more and more, um, I don't know. I don't want to call it easy because it's certainly not easy, but there's kind of some templates and some strategies to follow versus what you're doing now. You're kind of like creating this from a gap that you've been seeing within the industry and you're like creating it from nothing. And that is so cool. Um, And I think you're right. Like this probably is still just the messy beginning, but how cool is it to think of like where this is going to go and how big this can get and the impact you're going to have on people. And then the second piece that I was thinking when you said like so many people are really not in the headspace of wanting to prepare for birth, like that is thanks to like the patriarchy and society and just like absolutely zero space for like bodily autonomy and um, like personal development, all of that, like within pregnancy. And instead it's just like, Hey, here, follow all these steps. You're basically put on this conveyor belt and then you're like sent down sent down the conveyor belt and put through all the hoops. And it's just this very like status quo rinse and repeat cycle. And it's almost like we're pumping out robots at the end of it. And unfortunately, all these robots are coming out with birth trauma, as we know, and we know why, because we've kind of seen the back end of it, but it's no wonder that it has been a big difference for you in terms of how do you actually find your ideal client? Because your ideal client is, not likely like the masses anymore. Totally. That's, yeah, that's really true. And I don't know, it's really validating for me to hear that you, like you instantly get it. Like you instantly get what I want to (laughs) do and you see the value in it. (laughs) I do. I absolutely do. But I think it's also because like, I feel like I was kind of headed in your direction. I don't even remember. I don't even know how much we know about each other. Um, I don't even remember how like, well, I've listened to you on one podcast. So Was I it think Kylie's I might podcast? Know more about your story. Yes. Probably, probably. So yeah, I think I shared on Kylie's podcast how, how I how I thought I was going down the doula path, but I knew I didn't want to offer in, in-person support. That was mostly because of just the stage of motherhood I'm in right now. And like being on yeah. call with a newborn now toddler just was not in the cards for me. No. Um, but I think even as I was kind of getting educated and start of starting to understand what the role of a good doula is, it became very clear to me that like, I don't need to be at the birth to have that impact. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly what you're saying. Like that impact can happen before and dare I say should happen before. Um, and so yeah. then I was kind of going the, down the childbirth educator route. And I, mm-hmm. I spent months, I think, trying to put myself in that box and it never feeling quite right. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still kind of coming out of that and kind of weaving into my own box. And I don't really know what that is yet. I still have a really hard time identifying who I am or telling someone like what I do. Um, I feel like I'm just like a doula for like all stages of motherhood, not just birth. Birth is just like one teeny tiny day of it all, right? And it's like the things you mentioned, like there's so much advocacy and inner work that needs to happen before that's actually going to set you up for postpartum and motherhood. So it's yeah I don't know it's really cool it's cool to have this conversation because we're totally on the same page I know it really it really resonates with me because I feel I (laughs) I am like 
too obsessive about what I should call myself and what my sort of like one liner message to like get it across. And I was talking to someone about this the other day and they were like, this is stifling your creativity. Like totally. I love talking about motherhood and parenting and identity and like all that stuff. And it's like, really is, it's all in the same spectrum. Like you are basically parenting from the time that you are pregnant and choosing to have that baby, right? I mean, probably even if not. Um, You're learning about advocacy, you're making decisions for your baby, like it's, and it all has an impact. I know personally, it has an impact on the way your parenthood journey can go. And um, like, what it means to be a mother and how you show up as that mother. And you know, like, it's not a discrete event. And I think that was part of the doula life that didn't jive with me mm-hmm. it was like okay here's your two prenatal visits and then your birth support and then it's over but it's like it's it barely just began and it, it hasn't ended yeah. you know what I mean yeah 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 that's so cool um I literally have like goosebumps the whole time you were talking about all that <laughs> because it really just paints the picture of the bigness of it and like I'm just thinking yeah. like imagine if every woman as they get pregnant every every couple, partner, everyone in like the family unit of that pregnant person, if everyone could hold space and, um, just like see the, I don't, I can't even find my words because it, it feels so big that like, it's not even part of our language because we don't talk about it. But like, if you could actually like feel into the bigness of what it means to actually be pregnant and like what that means in terms of everything that's going to happen within you in terms of like your confidence and like your level of adequacy and your identity of yourself and your self-worth and your nervous system regulation and your body image, like literally everything, right? It all, we know this, we know, as you become a mother, like all of those things change, but why aren't we talking about it in pregnancy? Why is it just a slap in the face for literally every single woman after they have this baby and after they like get all the check marks at their six or 12 week postpartum visit or after they're done with their postpartum support from their doula and now they're on their own. I'm pretty sure almost every single woman has this moment of, oh my God, what am I doing? Who am I to be doing this? Like, I don't feel adequate and I don't know, there's gotta be right? Well, all of it, all of those like very philosophical questions. And I feel like, I don't know, like it definitely in, in my own experience, like it literally felt like the ground beneath me was crumbling. It wasn't so much that like, I felt myself crumbling. It was almost just like everything I knew to be true. I was now challenging and really putting more thought into and all of my actions became like a thousand times more intentional and Mm. like I I I agree with what you said like really that parenting that aspect of parenting starts in pregnancy um Mm -hmm. I would love to hear kind of before we actually get into more of this I guess maybe a bit of your own birth and pregnancy and postpartum experience. And maybe I'm curious if that led you into doula work to begin with, or like, just I'm trying to make all the connections. So fill me in. Yeah, (laughs) it totally did. So before, like in my previous life, I was a registered massage therapist for almost 10 years. And in that, that's when was my first introduction to birth support, because like, it's within the scope of an RMT. So I did like a continuing education course, like a weekend course on birth support. 
And I was like mind blown, like sitting in that classroom, I can still probably picture myself sitting there just being like, this is so cool. Like how amazing. So I, my first thought was I'm going to include this in my massage practice. Right. And then a few short months later, I got pregnant with my first and, um, I got hyperemesis gravidarum, which if anyone doesn't know, it's like nausea and vomiting and pregnancy on steroids. It's horrific and horrendous. And I had no idea what this was. I did not, you know, was not aware of it going in. So I was like, okay, I have morning sickness. Like this is normal. People do this all the time. Get out of bed, go to work, like do the things. What's wrong with you? But meanwhile, I was barely eating, barely drinking, vomiting multiple times a day, 10 out of 10 nausea, 24 hours a day. Like it was awful. Um, and my midwife who I had was, was great, but I, I think she hadn't seen someone with my level of HG before. And so she was giving me some tips that I think would be good for someone with morning sickness or even more severe morning sickness, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't doing anything for me. Um, and so it took, unfortunately, a long time for me to get the care that I really needed. I ended up being admitted to hospital. I needed IV fluids, um, IV medication. And that was when, like, you know, I really started on an aggressive research path. I love to research things. So <laughs> I went and learned all the things about HD because I was like, okay, this is what it is. There are medications that are effective for this. Um, and so, and that also required a lot of advocacy on my part because at the time, so this was eight, eight plus years ago. Um, I mean, you, you know, you're a nurse, like all the sort of stuff around Zofran and the, um, the conflicting views on its safety. Um, and so this was right at the heart of that. And I felt like I was making a decision between my health and my baby's health, because there was so much out there that this drug was going to create um, health problems for my baby. And I was kind of at the point where I was, okay, well, I feel like I'm going to die <laughs> if I don't take this drug. That's not going to help either of us. So, you know, and I had found lots of stories about people that had it, you know, took the drug, it went fine. I found research that, um, you know, showed that the fear mongering myths weren't true, right? That the research around that was biased and terrible. So I was like, I felt okay in my decision, but I felt like I was doing it against the green. Everyone else was like, have you tried ginger? If you have a few crackers beside your bed, when you wake up and it's like, you don't understand. So um, anyway, <laughs> I got the medication. You know, I was then able to keep down small amounts of food and liquid like I, I was okay it wasn't great but it was okay um I ended up developing preeclampsia at 35 weeks and um so we started an induction at 35 and 3 and you know I just didn't I just didn't know my husband and I still talk about this how much we didn't understand and how much we weren't told um and so the induction took probably about three days to get going. And, um, you know, he, he was a small baby. I was on magnesium sulfate. It was a very high intervention induction that was almost about to end in a C-section. I was being rushed to the OR, oxygen on my face. Like, 
And the last second I felt something like I felt him coming out my vaginal canal and I said to my OB and she said, okay, let's push. And I don't know how she did it. <laughs> you know, there were four steps involved, but she got him out. Um, but you know, he was then in the NICU. Um, we had no idea what was going on. My husband just was rushed in at the last minute. He was being prepped for the section. Um, he ended up, my son ended up uh, developing necrotizing enterocolitis, which is a really dangerous bowel condition. Um, we got transferred to a larger hospital. You know, I mean, there's just, it felt like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And through it all, no one was telling us what was going on. No one was telling us that, um, how he was how, you know, what we could do, what, how we could better support him, how, you know, how this happened, right? We just felt so helpless and so out of control. And it was terrifying. Um, I mean, there's a happy ending in that, like, he recovered well. Um, we had to fight real hard to get breastfeeding going, uh, because we were separated so much. And because of all the drugs I was on during my labor, it really delayed, um, you know, milk supply and the separation and stuff. So, um, had a great lactation consultant and that helped, um, get things going, but it was really, really hard. He was very small. Um, I was exhausted. I was sick. I'm coming off HG for months. Right. Um, so that entire thing was physically and emotionally traumatic, I would say. And I think we were both just left like, what the fuck just happened? Like, um, so that took months to really like process and figure out all the things that had happened and like getting the information piecemeal from like providers and, and whatnot. Um, and I didn't know if I would be able to go through it again. My husband really wanted another baby. And um we once once we kind of like I allowed him to have a conversation about it I was like okay after this conversation I'll say like let's not try but not not try and I got pregnant that first cycle so we went through it again Classic. but that was different yeah yeah I knew what meds I needed right away you know I got sick again and I was taking care of a toddler but it was better because I knew um, the birth was a bit better. I had a doula. I had informed myself up the wazoo. So I was able to advocate. Um, we still had some health problems postpartum with both of us, but just a different, we were all in a different space. Um, same with my husband. He was much, much more able to be present and to think on the spot and to ask the questions. Um, and so I think all of this stuff, I mean, my start to motherhood was very rocky because of this and it, it it just felt like we weren't in the real world everyone else was I, I it was at the time lots of other friends were having babies and they were all taking their bumps on hikes right and posting all these cute pictures on Instagram of their pregnancy and their postpartum and their newborn photos and stuff and I couldn't relate to any of that I couldn't see myself in it and it just felt really sad um and, you know, my, my kids didn't sleep. <laughs> I think probably would only sleep on my body for the first year of their lives. Um, and no one gets that. No one understands. They think, oh, yeah, have you tried putting them down, drowsy but awake? You know, all this stuff. Um, so I think from the very outset, it just felt like my path is very different from everything that's out there. And um, I 
need to sort of figure this out for myself and create my own path because I can't follow anyone else's because it doesn't relate. And that is both liberating and exhausting. Um, and I think, you know, through, through my eldest son, who's neurodivergent, I learned a lot about the nervous system and um, how to support him best which then of course makes me have to figure out my own nervous system because you can't help regulate a child when you're dysregulated. <laughs> um, so it's just, it was, it's been, you know, eight years of aggressive learning and self-development and um, it's very humbling and um, lonely at times to have to parent in a way that you don't really see. That was long, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that was awesome though. And it's like, do I chime in here? No, I'm just going to let her finish because it's all just flowing perfectly. What was really cool though, is noticing even the change of pace in your voice and almost like mm. just a weight come off your shoulders or a weight lift from the air. As soon as you started talking about your second pregnancy mm. and birth experience, cause I could just tell there was more confidence. You felt more informed there was, it, it was just completely different. So that was cool because I could feel that in your energy as you were sharing that oh. story. The other thing that was really cool is I don't even know if you've made this connection, but I'm going to reflect it back to you because it was so clear to me is you making a comment about um, just how you felt very different and you realized that you kind of had to make your carve your own path to make it just align with what was going on for you. And I feel like that's exactly what's going on in your business journey right now they are totally yeah. mirroring each other. So I don't know if that Same. makes it feel more like scary and more <laughs> pressure. Cause it's like, Oh no, I have to do this again. Or if it's also like just reassuring, cause you've done it before and you can do it again. Um, so that's really, really cool. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that either. Yet, but <laughs> <laughs> let, let that marinate. Cause I, I just see like the mirror of the two so clearly. And it's like, yeah. Like as soon as you start noticing and like these little nudges that come from so many different things. And it's often like in hindsight, right. When we realize these things where it's like, okay, yeah, like that didn't feel right. And I understand why, or like, yeah, I didn't really fit in there and I understand why. And then you kind of put it all together and it's like, okay, I can't keep doing what other people are doing. I can't keep running on autopilot. I can't keep living my life by default. It's not going to work for me. It's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be fulfilling. So I need to carve my own path and um, I can totally resonate to that in my own motherhood experience and really my own like entrepreneurial experience. And I think I, I feel crazy because I'm navigating both at the same time. Like I didn't give myself like five, six, seven, eight years to kind of figure out mothering. I'm just like, I'm going to do both. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel completely crazy because I am doing both, but I have been able to weave so many things together because there are so, sim so many similarities. Um, yeah. There was another thing I wanted to bring up. Oh, I know. I am, this is, I almost say, like, it's almost embarrassing to say this out loud. So I don't know if I'm the only one that feels this way, but I almost feel creepy and like I'm imposing on someone's personal space when I go look on their website or go click on their link tree, like on Instagram, even though I know mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a client of theirs. It's almost like I'm, I'm, window shopping in a store that I have no business in. Anyways, I creeped your website. 
Um, oh, <laughs> and and so I enjoyed sweet. every minute that's of so it. It was fun. I was reading like your about page because I just wanted to get to know you a little bit more. And yeah. um, and and then I stumbled across your blog, and I read one of your blog posts about um, just like uh, what there was a line in it that completely like it's like you pulled the words right out of my mouth for me. And it was, I read this probably like last week, so it's not top of mind. And I didn't know I was going to bring this up, but uh, what was it? Um, just, just, I think you were talking about how, like, you felt so confident in your own space and in your home in terms of how you were showing up as a mother. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you were kind of outside of your personal bubble mm-hmm. and whether it was among friends or just like out shopping or something, that confidence completely was lost and I've totally been experiencing that and I feel like I don't know like it's been really contradictive in my mind because it's like hey what the hell like how come I can feel so good and so just like strong in my beliefs and what I'm doing and feel so connected to my intuition and then as soon as I leave my house it's like I'm just like this deflated bubble And to the point where like, I've noticed myself, I'll just like, I isolate. I just like, don't want to leave the house Mm -hmm. because I don't want to lose that confident feeling. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up because it was something that I really connected to in what you were sharing. And I don't know, I don't know when you wrote that. I don't know what stage of motherhood you were specifically speaking about, or if it's happened over and over and over again. But (laughs) again, I think it it kind of translates to business too, now that I'm looking at it. Yeah. You know what? It really does because this yeah. is a constant struggle that I faced in my entrepreneurial journey. Um, that I can be in my, my my little mind business bubble and be like, "This makes sense. This is the plan. This is what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. I can help people." And then I literally open Instagram and it's all out the window. I'm like, "I suck." I have no idea what I'm doing. Why would anyone want to work with me? You know, it's wild how quickly it can flip. When you mentioned being almost like obsessive over like what to call yourself or I, when you were sharing that, I was thinking about the, the stupid IG bio and I like obsess over that. Like it, it, I have so much pressure that I've put on myself that like this has to read and be articulated the perfect way because that's the first impression people are going to have of me that's how they decide if they're going to follow or not and it's Mm -hmm. just like so messed up if you think about it that we are putting all of our eggs in that one teeny tiny basket there's obviously so much more to us that like actually defines who we are and what we do and also silly just hearing us both share this out loud like silly in the sense that we are allowing something like Instagram to have so much impact on our self-worth. I know. And I hate it. I don't want to. (laughs) No, I know. Yeah. And me neither. Me neither. But like, I think, I I really don't know. I was going to, I was going to try to pull up some really like wise comment and like try to pull us out of this rut, but like, I don't actually know the answer. I think, I think for me personally, there's been some strategies that I've tried to implement and incorporate into like just how I like look at content creation now or even how I've um, played around with like different launch strategies and like offer creation. And I think a lot of it is so reflective of how I prepared for birth. And Mm. it really comes down to like there's some there's some common 
or not common, but there's some classic sayings I feel like that I kind of like held with me during birth. And even when I was dabbling in birth work and that was like, don't let other people's fears into your birth space. And it's like, okay, like that is also so true in my business space. Like don't let other people's fears and projections into my business space as I'm creating. And um, yeah, like it's, it's easier said than done. Of course. Another thing is like also looking at your fears as they come up and allowing them to almost be um, just like a source of clarity in the sense of like what direction to go into next or like what part of yourself is needing more TLC and self-compassion. So instead of like getting frustrated or shaming myself for a fear that keeps coming up, I mean, likely related to scarcity and money. Those are the common things that come up for me Um, or, or worry about what people are going to think in case I like say something wrong, like all of those things. So when I notice those things keep popping up, instead of shaming myself and being frustrated that they're coming up again, I'm like, okay, like what need is not being met here? And like, how can I meet it myself? And again, that translates so beautifully into birth and like some of the preparations I did in my own pregnancy, excuse me, is like, how can I actually be the biggest advocate? How can I be my biggest cheerleader? How can I fill in the blank? And yeah. 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 And I think, you know, a big part of that, that you were kind of speaking to is that self-compassion piece. It's like, I do it so easily with my kids, like offer just aggressive compassion (laughs) for what they're going through. And I have seen time and time again, even if it's something like, you know, we, we've been through navigating school trauma and refusal and, um, you know, there was a period of time where my eldest kid was on the couch naked for months, literally doing nothing. And that is what he needed to do for his nervous system. And um, I had to work on myself to be OK with that and to have that compassion for him. And it worked, It, you know, I mean, not that it's all about fixing things and finding solutions, but I think we often think like, oh, well, what can compassion actually do, right? But leaning into that, whatever is happening and allowing it to be and allowing it to have the space that it needs means that other things can happen as well. You can move through them. Um, And I've seen him come out the other side and he is amazing. Um, And this is actually something I'm trying to, (laughs) trying to now use for myself because um, I, uh, I've struggled with PMDD for a few years and, you know, I, I follow some cycle syncing people and I'm like, maybe this is the answer. But the way that they talk about it is like, I think for people with like normal PMS. <laughs> and so it's really not quite the same when like you're sort of incapacitated for almost a week. Um, and so what I've decided to try like this cycle is offering myself that just like ridiculous amount of self-compassion permission to do absolutely nothing in my business and just do the bare minimum of, you know, around the house and for my kids um, and to see what that creates, because what I've been doing, which is shaming myself and trying to force myself out of it or trying to find tasks that will work for that phase of my cycle, that's not working. So there's <laughs> no point in continuing to do that. Um, so stay tuned. 
Yeah, I definitely want an update on that. That sounds really <laughs> cool. And I, I absolutely did not know that we were going to head into the menstrual cycle, but I'm happy we are. How can you not? That has actually been a huge part of my healing, for lack of a better word. I feel like there's got to be a better word, but my healing experience, my journey right now is really being able, I guess it's been like a catalyst in connecting to myself. And I I view pregnancy the same. Um, Pregnancy was a huge catalyst for just actually figuring out what the hell my intuition was. Cause prior to being pregnant, I was like, what's that? Like, I don't have one. I'd hear people talking about like yes. trusting their gut and trusting their intuition. I'm like, I, I don't think I have whatever an intuition is. I don't have that. So funny. Um, so yeah, like I've, I've kind of seen the men- my menstrual cycle as another opportunity for that self connection and that self-compassion and the practice of, yeah, like, I guess just like offering like countless permission slips and really unlearning all of the societal shoulds that keep popping up. Um, And I like mean for me coming from um, overachiever and perfectionist and people pleaser tendencies and then coming out of um, my nursing career and shift work Mm -hmm. and like just all of those things and having to unlearn what it actually looks like to be a human (laughs) because I Mm -hmm. honestly was just this robot living on, on autopilot for so long. I was just this walking head. I was so disconnected from my body. And it's like I said, pregnancy and birth for me were an opportunity to actually cultivate that connection again. But I would say my menstrual cycle, um, has really been how I've truly been able to start integrating it and like embodying some of these Mm. themes we keep bringing up, right? Like self-compassion and self-worth. I would love to hear more about, I guess, like, yeah, just how you are navigating your cycle right now in terms of how you're showing up as a mother and what you're doing in your business to actually like you said, like, it's not about fixing it. It's not about like micromanaging your schedule to try to make it work. If anything, mm-hmm. it's, it's likely about slowing down, maybe even stopping. Yep. Um, and yep. society is likely going to say, oh, well, you're just like a lazy piece of shit. Or like you mm-hmm. are, um, I don't know, whatever they're going to say. And it's so hard to shush out those voices, right? Because it's literally been ingrained us to think that in order to be successful, in order to be a contributing member of society, you need to be go, 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 do, 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 hustle, grind, ignore anything your body's telling you. So I would love to hear just what you're actually doing from like a tangible perspective. Yeah. So um, I guess I have to caveat this with, I have an immense amount of privilege in that, um, you know, I, I was a stay at home parent for years and I can grow this business slowly in that I, we don't rely on my income. Um, so I have the privilege to do nothing when I need to. And that's huge. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll start with that, but um, I think the sort of some things that I'm playing with, and I think this will be probably a very long <laughs> trial and error Um, thing is that in my follicular phase um, to do the more outward facing stuff, um, 
creating content, working on resources for clients, um, recording podcasts, you know, things like that. Um, and then for me, my doomsday starts around cycle day 19. Um, and so really, I, it's in our calendar. My husband knows about it. You know, my best friend knows about it. Like that if I need to just really go internal and um, watch TV in my bed all day, that that's that's what's going to happen. Um, and it's interesting because my kids, like there are days where I'm just hanging out in bed and my kids don't seem, I, I was so stressed about what they would see that as. Um, you know, what's wrong with mom? She's in bed. Um, but they don't really seem to notice. They just come and hang out with me and chat. And, um, you know, I'll be like, oh, I'm just really needing some extra rest today. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And I thought, what a awesome, like, model, modeling situation for them to see someone who is honoring their body because I did not grow up that way. Rest had to be earned. Um, in my childhood. And there was a lot of messaging around being lazy and, um, you know, not never being enough. Um, and so that, you know, has really fueled my parenting and that I don't want my kids to ever feel that. And I want them to um, know that they are just inherently enough because they're human. Um, and, you know, if they are in relationships with someone that has a menstrual cycle in the future, like maybe they'll go into that, like honoring it because we talk about it, you know, why, you know, I have my period, I'm bleeding from my uterus. This is, this is what happens. And for me, it's not even during the, the bleeding phase. That's the problem. But, um, and so I think a, a huge part in terms of the business is not being active on Instagram during that time. Because as we just talked about, even when I'm in a pretty good headspace, I can go on and be like, oh, my God, I suck. So, <laughs> um, you know, because I've been trying to be very consistent with showing up. But I have to accept that my consistency is I can show up for three weeks out of the month. And for one week, I'm probably not going to be on very much. And um, I think giving myself that permission to do, like, literally nothing, then maybe it will allow like to hop on once in a while and post a story or whatever. Right. But it's doing it from a place of I can, as opposed to I should. Um, and, you know, I guess like in terms of big existential themes, because I'm an Aquarius, um, <laughs> like it's, you know, I want to fuck the patriarchy. I want to like live my life in a way that works for me and my body. Um, and so I hope that this is like my small way of doing that. Um, but it's really hard. It's going to have to be every single day reminding myself of why I'm doing this and, you know, the the benefits of it and how long term it's going to make my business more sustainable. Because if I didn't operate in this way, I would probably burn out very, very quickly. And my mind would take my brain would win that shitty side of my brain would win. Um, cause I would give it too much space in that week where it needs to be offline. So yeah, it's going to have to be a very conscious practice, but I'm hopeful I have a plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's really cool to hear that you have like your family and your best friend on board. Like, I think that is such a valuable piece to all of this that 
a lot of us are missing is we're still really isolating ourselves and shaming ourselves. Yeah. My dog is driving me nuts. Crosby, we don't oh. want you on the podcast. Um, <laughs> Crosby says, hi, everyone. Um, <laughs> shoot, what was I going to say? I had um, people on board. That I wanted. Yeah, well, and I think, I think I still notice myself. I'm very comfortable about speaking about like what stage of my cycle I'm in online, because I mean, I've intentionally cultivated this community that I know these are likely my people. And if you're not my people, then you can get out of here. But again, it kind of mirrors the comment about having so much confidence in my mothering in my home, in my bubble, and then stepping out of the bubble and it's just deflating. And it's kind of the same thing. Like I have so much confidence in, just the things I'm doing for my, for myself during my menstrual cycle. And then as soon as I have to talk about it out loud to regular people, I mean, I just don't Mm -hmm. like, I'm still, I'm still, um, and really that's, that's perpetuating kind of the issue here. Right. And the issue being that, that everywhere in terms of like marketing and how we grew up. And I'm just thinking back to like, back when I was a teenager and seeing like the Kotex commercials of like, you can do anything you want, like any day of your cycle, right? You just like use a tampon and like off you go. And it's like, okay, but what about all the other symptoms? Like, why are we just masking the bleeding part? What about everything else that's going on? What about the other like three weeks of the month when there's still like massive energy shifts and like hormonal changes going on? Why aren't we talking about this? Um, And instead like you're just kind of told that you should be ignoring that part of yourself and like it shouldn't become a part of it shouldn't it shouldn't be something that disrupts your life and so yeah. i guess like yeah i'm just reflecting on the fact that i've done a really good job of creating that safe space for me within my home to hold space for all of those energy shifts all of those hormonal changes throughout the month but it's still feeling very taboo outside of my yeah. bubble. Um, yeah. So anyways, totally. That, all this to say that it's just really cool that, like you said, it's marked on your calendar. Your husband knows, your best friend knows, and I think, and and your kids are seeing you. And I think you said it's little that they get to see you do that, but that's huge. That's exactly right. how we make change, right? That is the start of yeah. the ripple. Your kids are going to so- see it, and then they're like that. Ah, oh, that is just so cool. Um, yeah. And you've said that it's hard work and it's going to be like a daily conscious effort. And that is so true. It is. But again, you already said this, it's going to, it's going to have so many benefits, not just in your business in terms of longevity and sustainability, but also in how you parent and how you show up as like a partner and a wife. And again, we just don't hold enough space and reverence for that. Like we don't understand how the more rest you take during that specific time in your cycle is actually like going to recharge you so that you have the energy yeah. in your next cycle. Like I haven't heard of that until like the past couple months. Like that was literally news to me. And it's like, why didn't I know that like mm-hmm. 15 years ago? Like why wasn't mm-hmm. that taught? Um, mm-hmm. And just to kind of weave all this back into business, because it's just really cool how there's so many parallels. And I think your story especially is, really making that clear to me. Um, just speaking about 
I heard you say consistency and like sustainability and um, just other words like that. And I think that's something that so many of us are currently getting, well, if you're not, I feel like you should um, get super reflective on and start like redefining what consistency actually means to you yeah. and redefining what like success in both like your business, but also like how you show up as a mother looks like, because if you continue trying to strive for what you're seeing online, you are a hundred percent just going to burn out. Um, And again, like there's just not really enough conversations about this. So I love that we're having it. (laughs) There really isn't. And I, you know, just as you're talking, I'm thinking, I don't think I've never talked publicly about this, um, but I would love to hear other people doing it. So, I mean, I hope this resonates with someone who listens to this. Um, and they know that they're not the only one that's dealing with it because I mean, I think especially like, I know you're younger, but I'm entering like the perimenopausal phase and it's, I think it gets more and more prominent, right? We're dealing with, um, more hormonal fluctuations and changes that are different from our previous, you know, menstrual cycles. Um, and yeah, about the consistency, you know, I was really stressing about, you know, if I, because I'm trying to build this business, if I take a week off every month, I'm never going to get anywhere, right? That was my thought. That was really, really rigid. (laughs) What's the algorithm going to do to you, right? It's like if we're constantly trying to work with this algorithm, we are literally going to fail. Like it's, it's not even worth our energy trying to win at it. Exactly. And that's a safe thought for me because it's like, well, I just shouldn't try anyway. I shouldn't bother because it's never going to work anyways. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's redefining consistency exactly as you said. And, um, you know, I think if our society and business and capitalism had been built around people with hormonal cycles, it would look very different. Right. Um, and no one's going to do that for us. <laughs> we have to do it ourselves. So um, where was I going with that? I can't remember. But I think that is, that's going to be a big journey for me over the course of the next few months is um, trying to talk back to that thought of mm-hmm. if I take this week off, it's never going to work. Um, because, I mean, I think we can look at that logically and be like, well, that, that's not true. That's not going to make sense. Like, you know. Um, and in fact, if I'm spending an entire week shaming myself and like really beating myself up for not doing things, that is going to make me less productive and less present in my life and less available for my clients those other three weeks. Totally. Well, and I think yeah. leaning into that is what's going to help. you propel yourself through that is just remembering the impact that it's going to have for like future you, right. Instead of being so fixated on what this means about you in the current moment, because we know those thoughts are garbage. Like we know we are working through them. Um, and it can be so easy to feel frustrated when the thoughts keep coming up, but instead of trying to fix those thoughts and make them go away, maybe just maybe we can have self-compassion for those thoughts, but then also kind of rewire our thinking to look at, okay, what's this actually going to do? And why am I doing this again? It's like preparing for birth. Like 
yes. getting back into like leaning into your why and like yes. uh, I don't know I just like it's, there's so many parallels it's like almost comical yes. when I start just I can't <laughs> not see them <laughs> yeah that's so true and I think that speaks to like birth is not a discrete event right it's it's you as a human and like I can think of a million ways in my life that this having to carve my own path thing has come up so you know it's almost like we are authentic people who just have to keep living the same thing and learning from it and you know making that path more clear for ourselves because it's going to keep happening in different aspects of our life well and that's the thing like it does keep happening like I think of healing as like this upward spiral and so like the same things do keep coming up but we are seeing them from a different perspective. We're wearing yeah. different glasses at that point because we have yeah. different experience behind us. And again, even just leaning back into that really does help me pull into that self-compassion when I feel like I really just don't have anything left in me to give because it's like, okay, no, yeah. like this, this is what's supposed to happen. Like this actually means I'm on the right track. Um, right. Same with like Fair when enough. I'm meeting resistance and it's like oh like how come I haven't moved through this yet like or how come this is coming up again and it's like well no this just means like I'm 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 meeting my edge and this is an opportunity to kind of expand my threshold and widen my tolerance and from like a nervous system perspective um again it just offers me that dose of self-compassion when I start looking at it that way as opposed to just this negative self-talk and this negative mind chatter that's shaming myself because obviously that's not supportive. Um, but like you said, like this is stuff that you have to do daily and um, be very, very conscious and intentional about. And that is hard, hard work. Yeah, it really is. These conversations really aren't talked publicly enough. Um, yeah. And it can be so easy to just start again, this like, cycle of self-shame where it's like, oh, I'm the only one going through this. This must, this must mean there's something wrong with me. This must mean I'm missing something. And then you get stuck in this like mindset of lack and scarcity. And it's like, okay, wait, 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 no, no, no. Like, it's just like not talked about. And it's the cycle of silence. So then we keep like not talking about it because we think something's wrong with us. And then it just perpetuates the loneliness for everyone else. And so really to break the cycle, we have to talk about it. So I'm super, super, super grateful for you to be here today and so open and vulnerable about all these things, because I think it really does start to break that cycle so that more and more people can be like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one experiencing that. Oh, okay. She thinks that too. Oh, cool. Mm. Okay. Like, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe this is actually a thing and it's not, it just doesn't, it's not so personal anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's really cool. I was just thinking about when, when you were sharing about, um, what made me think of it? I think when we, when we were starting to talk about consistency and just like redefining Uh consistency for ourselves and like in your case, on Instagram, for example, that means like maybe three weeks of actually being more present online and then one week of your MIA. Um, just really understanding that like we are cyclical beings. And I mean, I think those of us that are connected to our menstrual cycle understand that, but also weaving that into like our business and the stages of motherhood and just understanding that like, we're not supposed to be on all the time. 
and much like nature, right? There's fall and winter and fall reminds us like how beautiful it is to let things go. And then winter is that time to look inwards and hibernate and there's no growth. And then we, we so like, we have so much compassion for the seasons in nature when it's winter and we live in Canada. So we know winter when it's winter, Mm -hmm. as much as we want it to be summer, we're not thinking, Oh my God, like what if summer never comes? What if we never have a sunny day again? We know it's coming. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. And I think really good way to think about it. (laughs) I think that it was just so true. Like you can literally have that. You can literally copy and paste that framework to everything in your life. And it's the same in business. It's the same in motherhood. There's going to be stages of your business where it feels like summer. It feels like things are just going well. Things are feeling easy. Things are just like all the fruits of your labor are actually being ready to harvest. And then, I mean, yeah, I guess like in terms of that analogy, fall comes next. And so again, just looking at that season of your business is okay. Like I'm in I'm in fall right now. This is a time to start looking inwards. This is a time to start letting go. This is a time to start becoming really intentional of, yeah, this is working. I want to keep doing it. No, this isn't. I'm going to let that go. Um, Mm -hmm. And instead of like shaming yourself, oh, why is this so slow? Why am I not getting new clients? Why am I not feeling creative and creating new offers and like just Mm -hmm. banging things out there? It's like, oh no, it's because I'm in this season of my life and it's okay. And almost orienting to that season, knowing that it's not permanent, knowing that the next season is to come. Um, yeah, that's my yeah, feel well, on seasons. And it's something I think about quite often. Totally. And I think what that um, brought up for me was the idea of trust and trusting yourself and trusting, um, I guess, our, our inner cycles. Um, and that is something I was, you know, I think none of us were really raised with, right? It's always like, you you don't trust your body. You don't trust how hungry you are, what you feel like eating, or when you feel like resting, when you don't, right? It's this real um, relearning of, of how my body and my brain works, and that that will work out okay. And that's really tough again, to weave it back into birth, because I can't help but not like in pregnancy, just thinking about, okay, we know that it takes a baby, roughly 40 weeks of gestation. Um, As much as some parts of our our culture want to rush that, like, we know, we know that like, obviously, a baby's not going to be born at 20 weeks. I mean, in perfect circumstances. And we do kind of hold space for that. Um, and same with just like not micromanaging what's going on inside of our bodies in that period of life. We know that baby is like growing and their finger fingernails are forming and they're, they're growing hair, whatever it is, there is that innate trust because there just is yet you pointed yeah. out yet. We, we don't even trust ourselves to know when we're hungry or when we need to go to the bathroom or when we need to yeah. rest. And so looking back in my own experience in terms of how I did actually start connecting to my intuition and start connecting to my body, it started with those little things. It started Mm -hmm. with, Hey, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go to the bathroom and believe me Mm -hmm. as a nurse, that is really, really hard because it's literally trained. (laughs) We're trained to hold your bladder as messed up as that is, um, or eating when I'm hungry or, 
the hardest one is resting when I need rest, because like you already said this, like I've, I've been under the impression that rest needs to be earned as well. And I've really had a hard time unlearning that one. And I still am working through it. Um, but yeah, like those little things, they seem so little, but they really are big, big, big parts of our day because they're continuous. And if we can start actually, actually listening to our body with those little, little signs, it becomes so much easier to listening to the other like whispers that our body is constantly trying to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I think that's such a huge point in parenting and sort of parenting against the mainstream too, is supporting our kids to trust their own bodies and their own mm-hmm. intuitions. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to eat what they feel like eating and stop, like trust that they'll stop. And, <laughs> you know, that if we let them eat chocolate once, they're not going to only eat chocolate forever. You know, all those kinds of like, there's so much fear, so much fear around. If you do something now, that's how it will always be. Or if you don't do something now, that's how it will always be. Um, and, you know, kind of like knowing that they will eventually stop nursing. They will eventually stop needing you to hold them all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, there were parts of my parenting journey where I was like, I don't believe you. Like, I literally don't believe you because it feels like um, it will never change. And my the way my kids sort of uh, went through those early development stages was not like other um other ones that I saw, but I think that's also because, you know, we were really parenting from a nurturing attachment connection place. And so things happen on a different timeline, right? When they're not Mm -hmm. sort of like forced. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's disorienting in itself, right? When you look outwards and you see things being done differently, it's like, oh no, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And then that perpetuates mm -hmm. that like negative mind chatter again. And again, just yep. brings up why it makes it makes sense that when we are in our own homes, when we are in our own space, in our own bubble, we can feel so connected to our intuition. We can feel so confident. And so like the theme I'm hearing is like just being really, really, really cautious and conscious to your thought patterns, your beliefs as you're consuming things from the outside. Because I think yeah. that really is what... Uh, just makes everything a bit like muckier. Um, mm-hmm. More stressful. And I don't know if, yeah. And I don't know if there's like a clear answer as to how to like clear out that mud, like obviously less consumption, but in the case of my mothering bubble, like obviously like isolating myself isn't the answer. Right. So I think yeah. it's how do I actually orient to my own truth? How do I, really feel grounded and secure in my belief systems. And I guess like showing my body and my nervous system safety before I step out of that bubble, almost like putting a, a um, uh, what am I like a, like a armor? Shield. Yes. Thank yes. you. <laughs> right. Like, and so like, well, and like just protecting that bubble. So that bubble doesn't deflate. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that armor gets stronger, you know, as you mm-hmm. do it and you continually mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. the, you know, that it, it does keep happening. They do grow like you do grow, you know, then it becomes easier, easier to believe. Yeah. But, well, and all the more reason yeah. to start 
putting on that armor in pregnancy, (laughs) right? Not waiting for that traumatic birth experience, not waiting for that really, really hard postpartum for you to be like, oh crap, I should have done things differently. You actually can start doing things right the first time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, preventing trauma (laughs) is I think one of my main goals. Mm. Um, And it's a tough thing to talk about because you don't want to scare people into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've just seen, and myself have been that person who was naive and uninformed and trusting of um, the system. Um, And then, you know, was traumatized by it and had to work my Mm -hmm. way out of that. Um, And I have worked with clients who came to me and were like, I know this is a possibility. I've seen this happen. I want to avoid this myself. And I'm just like, wow, that's awesome. Like, (laughs) you're amazing. Let's do it. When it comes back to kind of like the beginning of our conversation and what you're experiencing currently in your business is how do you get really clear on the messaging so that people want to get informed and people want to become like their biggest advocate? And how do you do that without fear mongering. And I think that is, yeah. And I think that is, I mean, that is the secret to it is really just coming from a place of compassion and wanting to inform. Um, I don't really know. I don't really have an actual comment to make there. I'm just like literally reflect, reflecting in real time. (laughs) The the gears are turning. It's like, Oh, so much to think about right now. This is so cool. Yeah, it is, and you know, it's trauma is a powerful word, and I think unfortunately, like ideas of empowerment and self advocacy and autonomy aren't as powerful. They're not as like, you know, it, when you flip it, like, what's the opposite of trauma? <laughs> you know, I don't know if you can do that, but um, what does preparing for birth in a sort of personal and comprehensive way give you and from what I've seen with myself and my clients is feeling empowered feeling supported um feeling autonomous um and that's really hard to like sell and um describe and you know the whole idea of like what's the transformation um you can't quantify it right so it's yeah One, unfortunately, like so many of us, so many of us don't even want to do something differently because I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just because like we're naive or I mean, ignorance is bliss Mm -hmm. or every, but like, it's like, oh, well, that's not going to happen to me. And so, so, so many people fall into these second time pregnancies where like, okay, I want to do something differently. Like I want to be more informed this time. Um, and I'm just trying to think back to my own experience because I obviously went into pregnancy with a different mindset. And I, I I don't know Mm -hmm. if I can clearly put my finger on what it was that made me do the prep that I knew I needed to do. I, I I think honestly, if I'm being honest, it probably had a lot to do with my nursing background and just yeah. seeing the gaps exposure. in the system. I had exposure from obviously a different perspective, but I was able to kind of, okay, wait, if I 
am now, if the roles are reversed, like I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be on the other side of this. And then I just remember, I remember so clearly thinking about all the friends or like in my inner circle and how literally almost all of them had had C-sections. And I was like, that just doesn't make sense. Like birth doesn't need to end in a surgery why in terms of just the statistics within like my 10 closest friends, why is that statistic so high? And I remember thinking like, I don't want to be that statistic. Like, so I almost started doing everything I needed to do to figure out like, why does this keep happening? And it became very clear to me that like a lot of it has to do with just our healthcare system and society's view on birth and like the obsession with like medicalizing it and just making it go as fast as possible, like putting a timeline on it. Um, I also like could understand and appreciate the, the medical models perspective on wanting to have control in terms of this, like false sense of safety because I was, I was yeah. a part of it, right? Even though I wasn't like an L&D nurse, I could still see how, yeah, like in the healthcare system, it's your one job to basically like keep people alive and to fix. Yeah. So of course there's going to be interventions, like lifting up your hands yeah. and just like, hopefully everything goes okay is very, very uncomfortable when you have um, just like that medical training under your belt, right? And And even thinking back to nursing school and the things we were taught, like, truthfully, you're just taught what goes wrong and how to fix it. We, we didn't learn about how things go right. If we learn about how things go right, then we wouldn't have a job. Right. So, um, yeah, my pregnancy experience was a buttload of unlearning and really just going down to the basics. And I guess there was my intuition now that I know what it is, my intuition telling me that like birth is a natural event. It doesn't need to be medicalized obviously, unless there's medical reasons for it. But um, yeah, like, and and it is just interesting, like, how, how did I get to that mindset? And so I guess part of it is just the experience of being in the healthcare system. Um, again, looking back, there was instances in my own, in my own health, where I felt betrayed, I guess, by the medical system. And like, just like, hey, yeah. why are we just throwing band-aids on everything? And yeah. so again, not wanting, not wanting that to, I didn't want to add birth to my resume of, oh, let's just slap another band-aid fix to it. Like I really wanted to get down to how our body's supposed to be working. And okay. I don't know, I think the other layer to it, and I reflect on this often too, is I was pregnant in the middle of COVID and mm-hmm. um the whole time during COVID really not feeling super confident on either side of like the great divide. And like, I I just don't know. I don't know where I belong. Like I can kind of see both sides here and I don't know where I belong. And I think you kind of brought this up in your experience with Sofran of like, am I taking care of myself or am I taking care of baby? And this like, massive like juxtaposition within my own mind of like, okay, wait, am I selfish if I like choose myself? But like, if I don't choose myself, then like, I don't know, it just becomes this like really big thing. And so I think COVID really was a catalyst as well for me in the sense of, okay, I really, really, really need to get in tune with what my own 
truth is and what my own belief systems are. And yeah, again, just like this opportunity of being able to look inwards and start connecting to my body and connecting to my baby, of course. Um, but yeah, I do think often like, had I not been pregnant during COVID because COVID was almost what helped push me into the more natural mindset. COVID was for sure the final thing that had me commit to a home birth because I wasn't going to yeah. be allowed more than one support system in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and I think about that often, had it not been COVID, had it just been the usual policies, like there wouldn't have been that yeah. one yeah. last thing to push me over the edge. Um, yeah. It's really cool. Just how everything works out. Right. Like, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like the traject mm. the start of the trajectory of your business. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> when I think you said this too, how like previous careers you've had looking back have kind of like been breadcrumbs to where you are today. And I can see that so clearly now too. Of course, in the moment yeah. you don't know that. In the moment, it's just no. like, what am I doing? Like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this because this is what I chose to do. Or maybe you do have this hunch of, I don't want to do this forever, but then the fear of something new takes over and it's just so easy to stay status quo. Um, but yeah, no, my my personal journey is the same. There's so many parts to it. It's like, oh, this all makes sense now. And like, it's all just leading me on this divine path. And so it comes back to trust. Yeah. It comes back to trust yeah. and surrendering. Um Mm. Yeah. so many parallels yeah. so cool awesome. mm. okay where can people find you online three weeks out of the month <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah um, so if you catch me on instagram <laughs> in the good parts it's um at jerry birth coach unless i decide to change my title to something else but anyways um at jerry birth coach um and my website is jerrytate.com. Um, I have a free resource out right now in case anyone is preparing for their postpartum, which I highly recommend you do before you give yes, birth. Yes, me too. Um, I will link it in the show yeah. notes. Send it to me and I'll link yeah, it for everyone. Great. Perfect. So there's a workbook to get part of. Are you offering just in-person prenatal support in Ontario or do you offer virtual as well? I offer virtual Um so, I mean, I think Canada makes more sense because the state system is so different. Um, but yeah, so it would be a combination of education and support and coaching and just talking through anything that's going on in your life and um, how any of the concepts that are in the educational resources can apply to you in your specific situation. Amazing such a valuable resource like I think everyone needs a Jerry in their life <laughs> but before you go I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode if you were thinking of anyone while listening please send it their way and if anything resonated with you or you love these conversations please subscribe and leave a review this really helps the podcast algorithms um, put my show in front of more people just like you and the last thing I would love nothing more than hearing from you so say hi dm me on instagram and give me a follow at nicole pasvier until next time